Today's scripture reading is from Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Well, we're on that path. You know where we're going in this season. We are 31 days from Christmas. And that time runs very quickly. And the time pushes us, and don't blame me that we haven't hit Thanksgiving yet and we're talking about Christmas. Every store has already done this to us. Uh, We had a wonderful Christmas parade on Friday. Uh, Our world just seems to push us to Christmas, and it, and it kind of bypasses our Thanksgiving and, and Advent and the season of waiting. And that's one of the things I loved about with the Christmas parade, our church's tradition of getting people to pause on their way to Christmas and be thankful for a little cup of hot chocolate, for a bag of popcorn, and to pause and to be thankful on that path towards Christmas. And I don't know about you, but that path has some, some at least two main lanes that we can take towards it. Because you can go a path of gratitude and thankfulness and where you're so appreciative of everything on this way to Christmas. But there's another path that we all know as well, one that's a little entitled, that unless I get that present that I wanted, I better get that coat or that computer or that phone or, or those shoes or whatever it is that you want, I better get that thing. Or a spirit of jealousy of I deserved that thing, why didn't I get it? And that person got it, and you're just jealous about everything. And those are really easy temptations that the path to Christmas ends up into that kind of path. But we are invited into a path of thanksgiving, a path of appreciation. And so I want to plead, not just with you, but with myself, too, that this season is one of thankfulness, one of appreciation, and one of gratitude And we entered into a story that was read this morning where Jesus is on a path. In the Gospel of Luke, uh, Jesus as an adult only goes to Jerusalem once in our story narrative. So everything about getting to Jerusalem is this big foreshadowing that you know what's coming. You know, that the cross, that final week, all of those things are on the horizon. And so they make a very big deal in Luke about all of those kind of geographical direction setting because we know where the story is leading us. And so Jesus in the story that we read from is, is starting on his path towards his last week in Jerusalem. And so he's on that path and uh, we encounter him and he's kind of in a region that's kind of in between places. And it says in Luke 17, 11, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. Now, that mattered a lot more to them than it might to us, but Samaria was 
very distinct from either the Judea region or Galilean region. Um, the, the Jewish people had a lot of animosity for Samaritans, and it was, it was reciprocated both directions. Uh, one of the stories that I like to tell that, that kind of highlights that animosity is Josephus, a uh, Jewish historian in the first century, tells a story about um, they were going to do this big religious holiday in Jerusalem and everything's supposed to be clean, and some Samaritans brought in some dead bodies and caused quite a scene uh, for all the religious observants that were ready to, to celebrate their religious holiday. But there was this back and forth frustration with each other. Uh, there was this frustration around religious answers of, to questions of who worships in the right way, uh, who has the right kind of biblical texts, which texts are in, uh, some bloodlines, some family discussions of what they kind of disagreed around. Um, but there's a lot of animosity, and so a lot of Jews would not actually travel through Samaria. They'd go around. And so here in this story, we have Jesus walking in this in-between, this gray area, where maybe you might be around kind of a Galilean village, maybe it's a Samaritan village, and we're in that in-between. And in that gray area, he walks up and meets some people who aren't insiders, who are on the outskirts of town on purpose. It says in Luke, as he entered a village, 10 lepers approached him, keeping their distance. And they called out saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And of course, where you'd find the lepers in the story is before we even make it into the village. Because they're so ostracized, so kept out of society, that they're on the outskirts of town before you enter into the village, hoping to ask for something of people traveling inside the town. And so these lepers were considered unclean by society, and they didn't necessarily just have what we consider leprosy, because we kind of have very precise medical terms for that. But any sort of kind of really, uh, any sort of skin ailment that was very noticeable, that was feared to be contagious. And so since you were unclean, you had to keep your distance from each other, from your friends, your family, but also from God. Because you got to enter into God's house clean in the right way. And so these lepers felt alienated from everybody. And so they're on the outskirts of this village asking for mercy. And we don't know necessarily what they want with that mercy. Maybe that's a charitable giving. Hey, I'd like some money because it might be very hard to work as a leper. But we've had enough kind of healing stories in Luke, and he doesn't have to go into it too much, that we have the feeling they're asking for more than money in the story, that they're asking for healing because that's where Jesus' dialogue takes us as we go on. And we expect that kind of healing story. Jesus has already healed lepers in the Gospel of Luke. And so we're not, the story doesn't become much about just the healing itself, but the response to the healing. That's what's unique in this story is how do you respond to the healing? And so Jesus sees them and he says to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. So there's no sort of, here's exactly how you're going to be healed. He just says, hey, go show yourselves to the priests. And so they walk away, and somewhere in the middle of that, they're supposed to be healed. Now, the priests were kind of like health inspectors, maybe purity inspectors, that they weren't going, they're not really the ones that are supposed to heal the, the lepers. 
But they're the ones who give the religious inspection and say, yeah, you're okay. You can return to society. You can return to whatever lot you had before this disease took that from you. And so he's saying, hey, go on the way to these priests who will help you re-enter society. And so I, I think one thing that we are going to miss probably on this story is actually there might be something radical happening here. Go to the priests. Remember, we're in a gray area. Is he talking to just Jews? Is he talking to Samaritans? A little bit of both? And we're going to hear in the story that there's at least one Samaritan in this ten leper group. And they're going to disagree about who the real priests are. Is he saying, go to whoever is a priest for you? Is he forcing them to go to Jerusalem? Because that's one of the big disagreements is for the Samaritans. They worship on Mount Gerizim and the Jews worship on the mountain that David found and established and there's the temple. And so when he says go to the priests, is, he, is that kind of actually more expansive than you might expect of Jesus? Who is he sending them to? And I love that in that discussion, you might, when you think about Samaritans, you might be reminded of John 4 with Jesus and the woman at the well. And their discussion is, wait, you'd even talk to me? I'm a woman, I'm a Samaritan. And their discussion takes them into which mountain do we worship on? Do we, do we worship in Jerusalem or in Gerizim? And there's this long-standing tradition of arguing about this because early on in the Jewish uh, religious history, they built altars all over the place. Wherever God was, there's an altar being built. But at some point, with David and Solomon in the story, they establish this is the place you worship God. Everyone must come here. So you gotta go to the special spot. And that gets to be troubling when the, Israel, uh, the Israelites to the north and the, Jews, the Judeans to the south divide and they politically separate, and the northern kingdom has to say, well, do I want my religious people to have to travel to another country to worship? No. Let's make new, new, new sites to worship. And so there's this, all this animosity. Where do we worship God? Where do I have to go? And Jesus, in the midst of this healing, is sending them to priests, wherever they might be, and in the midst of that, one of them is going to have a realization and is going to be different. And it goes on in the story. And as they went, they were made clean. Just blanket statement. All the ten lepers, as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. Praising God with a loud voice. And I appreciate some of that preciseness of this story. That he was sent to the priests of wherever that religious site is he's supposed to go to. When they realize that they're healed, one of them turns back to Jesus. Not to wherever these priests are, not to wherever these temples are. But I got to go to Jesus with a loud voice praising God. Not a really quiet voice praising God. But where the whole heart, the whole spirit, the whole gut is like, thank you, God. And thank you, God's can come on my way to Jesus. It doesn't have to be one of this mountain or that one or whichever site. 
But I can go to Jesus praising God loudly. And that praising God, that's where we get our word for doxology. Every week when we sing that doxology, singing it out with that lofty voice, thank you God, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And as you sing that out, as you're, as you're yelling that to the top of your voice, on your way to Jesus and to Jesus' feet, and it says that he prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and then the fun story, a little kicker note, and he was a Samaritan. But that he goes back with a loud voice and falling humbly before Jesus in gratitude, and he thanked him. And I always think about, um, we use different kinds of language for when we talk about that last meal that Jesus gave to his disciples that we, we take Sometimes we say communion. Some people especially like to use the word Eucharist. That word Eucharist is the Greek word for give thanks. And he gave thanks, he broke the bread, and he offered it. And I love the beauty of going to Jesus and giving thanks for him, the one who all thanks are given to, who helps us initiate that spirit of thankfulness to God's blessing and God's life that flows through us. And he does this as a Samaritan, not as the insider, not as the group that, oh, they should have gotten this right, but even the outsider, even the person who's on the outskirts of town who can't even be a part of the civilization in the inside of the city limits, even that group and the outsider among that group can be healed, can come to Jesus, can give thanks, and be included And so Jesus sees the Samaritan and he asks him, weren't there 10 of you? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Maybe you felt that in your own life at some point. Maybe you've had that positive response. You've had that thankfulness. You've had that that feeling of divine response in you. And you've also wondered like, hey, where are my friends? Where's my family? Like, I feel alone in this. And Jesus invites him into that question of, hey, where are the others? You know, I can only do me. You know, and and this guy has given his thanks and he's given his return to Christ there. Um, But where are the others? It was the foreigner among you who returned. And I love that, that foreigner word. In the Greek, it's a compound word where you put two words together and it's the word for other and born, the other born one, which tells you the vantage point. You're only a foreigner to someone that's different than you. That other born person, they came. Where's the others? Where's my own crowd? Where's my own tribe? And I appreciate that the spirit of gratitude, of thankfulness, often comes through eyes that see from, from, from a foreign vantage point. Because we get so used to the things that we are blessed with, we get so used to the things that we should be thankful for, and we don't see it anymore. And sometimes it takes the new person to come into the room and to voice thankfulness again and hopefully remind the rest of us to be thankful. And I, and I remember some people in my life that I remember who were really thankful. Um, one of the things that uh, I enjoy doing if I go to a big city for a conference or something, I like taking a taxi, an Uber, a Lyft, because you get to meet some interesting people. And you get to have a conversation on your travel, and not just you on the, in the car by yourself. 
In Atlanta, we had a conference uh, several years back, and Facebook really just reminded me of this story a few days ago, as it does with your memories of, hey, remember this memory from seven years ago? I got in the, uh, a car with this, with this man, and he was talking about the fact uh, that he was from Iran, and he was an engineer back home, but the U.S. didn't recognize any of his degrees, any of his work experience, and he was struggling to figure out how to survive here. And that might feel really frustrating and feel like you should be down on the system and really upset. But at the end of this conversation, he's like, you know, I'm just grateful that my daughter gets an education. And that was what overwhelmed his whole life circumstance, is I am thankful for my daughter and for the opportunities my daughter gets. Even if they seem to be limited to me right now, Thank you for my daughter. And I think about, <clears throat> there was an American Baptist meeting in Wisconsin when we were there that they wanted us to kind of talk about our vantage point about opportunities and challenges in the world at, at that moment. And they were talking about, you know, what, how, how do you feel about what's going on in our nation? How do you feel about big events going on and whatnot? But there was this, this group in the room who were chin who uh, came from, you know, historically Burma. And they were like, you know, I'm just so thankful that I've come out of a place where there was so much just outright corruption that you couldn't trust your police at, in any capacity. You couldn't trust the people doing clerk work at the, count, at, you know, the kind of political institutions. That they were like, we, we're coming from a place where we had no trust of anything, and so I'm just so grateful to be here. And I'm so grateful. And, and from our vantage point, we're seeing our own corruption and we're like, well, I don't know that we're perfect here. But, but fresh eyes to the same situation who can give a thankfulness. And that's what always surprises me so much in, in our whole other born and our fears of the stranger that we often try to, you know, people want you to be afraid of the stranger, that the foreigner in your midst uh, is someone to be feared. But they're often the most thankful, most grateful eyes and hands and feet that you can encounter. And here's the Samaritan leper coming to Jesus, thanking him for the healing and for all that he's done. And I think about you know, us as a church community, how do, we, how do we be intentional about looking for those people who bring fresh eyes, who realize both our strengths and our weaknesses, uh, and that we can learn from them. Of, my eyes have seen this too much. I can't see it anymore. Help me to be thankful for what's in front of me. And so, in our story, Jesus is, is remarking on how wonderful it is that this, this foreigner is the one who sees, who is thankful. And we have some opportunities coming up to be thankful. Tuesday night, at Temple Beth Israel is a chance to hear how people from very different perspectives talk about being thankful. And it's a chance that maybe in one moment might open up some things for you about um, gratitude, um, hearing, hearing people's different vantage point on what they're thankful for. But beyond that, I wanna challenge us with an opportunity. 31 days to Christmas, Maybe if each day you took the time to write out 
whatever form of writing out that looks like for you. Some people like journals. Some people like posting on Facebook. Whatever writing out looks like for you. Maybe just long prayer times with God. But spend each day on the way to Christmas voicing what you're thankful for. Because if you get through 31 days, at some point you start having to think beyond what you've said the last seven days. And you start realizing that there's even more to be thankful for than what you remember that you should be thankful for. And so maybe in, the, in this time and the season, as we look and we get closer and closer towards Christmas, maybe it's a time of thankfulness and gratitude. And we could be intentional about that. Because those things matter, like they change us. Thankfulness makes a difference in our life. And it's not common. Nine out of 10 people don't come back and give thanks. But Jesus talks about what happens when you give thanks and when your heart is turned over to God and praise. And in the story, he says to the man, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. And I love anytime you get the get up language, it's that raise up, uh, which gets connected to resurrection in the Christian tradition. Be lifted up and go. Your faith has made you well. And that, that translation might hide for you. It's the Greek word that, that means to save, to make whole, to be healed. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has healed you. Something about recognizing God's gift of life and God's blessings and responding with thankfulness and praise and gratitude is wound up into our healing and into our faith developing and maturing and growing. And so I, I want to leave you with one little question that I, um, that I love. There's a pastor, author, theologian uh, named Barbara Brown Taylor She's kind of from the region of Georgia. And she was asked to speak at an event, and they asked her to speak about this question. What is saving your life right now? Because we're always easier to answer, what's harming me? What's making me exhausted? What makes me want to quit and give up? But the question, what's saving your life right now? And that's the invitation to think about, what are you thankful for? What's giving you life? Voice those things. And as you voice them, they start to transform you and you think about all the life-giving things and not the things that wear us out. Thankfulness is a part of our healing about realizing how much our creator has lifted us up. And so in this season, will we take the blessings and the gifts and just continue on our path or will we turn back to Jesus with thanks? Will we choose to have the fresh eyes of, uh, of, of a stranger to look into our life situation? Will we choose to be made whole and be thankful? May this year's path to Christmas be a path of thanksgiving. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, there are more blessings to count than we can count. Lord, I ask that each of us in here, no matter whether you came in with joy or with a heavy heart, that we might be encouraged and reminded about all of that you have done in our lives and all that you offer to continue to do as we go forward from here. Lord, give us a spirit of thanks. 
a spirit of appreciation and not entitlement. Lord, I ask that as we sing about giving thanks to you in just a moment, uh, that that spirit of thankfulness would just reign in this, in this space and in each of our lives. Jesus, it's in your name that I pray. Amen.